Welcome in to Box Office Quarterbacks for a long overdue nerd shit edition of our show, Gerald. Uh, it's been too long since we've talked about um, a movie like we're going to talk about today. And let's just say <laughs> this movie was out of this world, and that's a pun intended. <laughs> I really hate that, by the way. Uh, yeah, I hate that that's what you went with to lead off the show, because I'm pretty sure three people at least are going to unclick and unsubscribe. Come back. Bad, bad joke. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, yeah, it was an out-of-this-world movie. I don't know. I, I think I was pleasantly surprised. We are talking about Moonfall, by the way. I did not say the title of the movie. Uh, I had the opposite opinion on this movie. The first hour of it, I think it hooked me. I, I loved everything that was going on. Uh, Roland Emmerich is the best when it comes to destroying cities on a, you know, unique and full size uh, scale. And this time we see Los Angeles and New York and all these places, the middle of Colorado getting destroyed. Um, but there's just a plot at the end of this movie that I could not get on board with a plot point. And I mean, we can go into full spoilers right away. Three, two, one. If that's your speed, but I didn't like the alien inclusion in this movie. I did not like it one bit. Yeah, no, sorry. My, uh, Mike messed up there for a second, Jeff. It, it was a little weird. The The plot line that they went with at the end was a little weird. But at the same time, to me, watching this movie felt like a lot of really our childhood, I think. that Those early 2000s to mid-2000s and even like 2010s, 2011s, when they were coming out with these Armageddon-type movies where something crazy happens or an alien comes down and it comes down to one to two or three people. Um, that's exactly what this is. It's doing what Hollywood does really well. But... Um, I think this works because I think it actually makes that kind of genre better. And I think this is another way people can see this and be like, we can still do these movies and we can do them better than we did two decades ago or a decade ago. This might've been the greatest movie of 1999. <laughs> I think <laughs> it would have came out. Uh, it's, it's just such a throwback. I did appreciate that about it. It reminds you of Armageddon the day after tomorrow independence day all those movies and obviously the guy who directed it was a big part of that uh and the story is is actually pretty interesting so uh you know this blogger discovers that the the moon has been thrown off course off its orbit and that creates a whole bunch of chaos for the earth uh especially when it comes to the moon controlling the tides and everything like that. Uh, and eventually you find out that the moon is on a collision course with Earth. And there is going to be city-sized chunks of the moon flying into Earth in three weeks. It is um, an accelerated timeline. I like that part of it. I like seeing the effect that, you know, the moon being off orbit has on the Earth. Because that's something I always felt interesting. Uh, felt was interesting. But uh, at the end of the day, there were, I think, too many characters in this movie. Uh, uh, too many for me to really care about. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree on that. There was a good amount of characters that I just felt like were thrown in for no reason. Um, the divorce plot line was only there so the children could be separated but meet up again. Um, 
Because other than that, like, there was really no reason for them to get a divorce, I don't think. And maybe there is. They just didn't dive into that. But I feel like when you're going to divorce a main character, you have to at least explain what the reasoning was. I think it's hinted at it being the fact that maybe she didn't even believe him and she thought he was crazy. But, like, it also leaves you to believe that maybe it was the court or him losing his job. And him losing the job also didn't make a lot of sense to me. For all the Elon Musk jokes they make in this movie, um, they forget to bring up the fact that, like, you know, rich people like Elon Musk and Bezos, they have ways to go to space, too. And they're hiring former astronauts all the time. So, like, I feel like this guy, especially one of those guys with, like, you know, SpaceX or something, would have picked him up as a good little PR spin, like the guy who saved an astronaut and landed something without any power. You know what I'm saying? But there were some plot lines and some characters that were just a little bit, eh. but it was a fun movie for me. Like it was still a fun movie. Yeah. The, the main character, Brian Harper, he's disgraced because of what happens in the first five minutes of the movie, which is the AI um, alien force that lives in the center of the moon attacks his fellow astronaut, wipes out all the power, and he has to guide the shuttle back to Earth with no power. The fact that he became disgraced and his wife and him got a divorce was very weird and just kind of out of nowhere, I thought. Uh, th- there was no reason that he couldn't get a job after that, and he was just living in a shack in L.A., um, I mean, it did lead to Michael Pena randomly being in this movie as the as the new stepdad. Uh, you also have uh, the introduction to the son around this point. Uh, I don't know his name. I'm just going to go with Kurt Cobain because that's who he looks like. But uh, I mean, that kid was fine. I that was the subplots I really wasn't on board with, especially when we're switching back at the end of the movie. Yeah, and like. I think also it was kind of um, the whole movie, like the, the twist at the end, I think was kind of telegraphed for a while because they were putting such a focus on, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Casey Houseman, John Bradley's Casey Houseman, um, and the fact that he was crazy for all these beliefs and he was going way too in depth about these things and they were letting him. So I just felt like they were quietly seeding the, this guy might not be that crazy kind of thing into your head. Um, but they did it a lot, so it wasn't really quietly. It was kind of loudly to me. Yeah, the Casey, the the blogger, he was the best part of the movie. I thought that guy was hilarious, and I I'd never watched Game of Thrones, so like I knew he was in. <laughs> I knew he was in that show, but this is really the first time that I've seen him act, and this dude is hilarious. Like I yeah. want to see him in a lot more things. Uh, he reminds me kind of kind of like Wayne Knight in the 90s uh, from Seinfeld, Newman. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of has that kind of comedic timing. I, I really dug him. And spoiler alert, he's going to be my favorite character probably at the end when we rank them. But before we get into all that, Gerald, I think we need to talk about our favorite scenes. And I'll start with you. All right. Well, I was going to go that way anyway. My favorite scene is when they go to the museum to pick up the old space shuttle, the only one that was not destroyed, and it was all vandalized simply because it says, fuck the moon on it in big red letters. And um, that to me felt like, like, because there's little scenes like that throughout the movie where they just make fun of like society as a whole. And it kind of reminded me of don't look up. So having that fun little jab at society, having it stay on it throughout the rest of the movie and everything, I. I liked it. It was my favorite scene. Um, 
probably just I thought it was funny. Plus, I really wanted to say "fuck the moon" multiple times in a podcast. Hey, Ryan. Well, he, <laughs> he did it. He did it. It's parental <laughs> advisory, uh, in case you didn't know. But um, my favorite scene is actually surprising to me because there's a lot I don't like about this scene. But I thought the visuals were very cool, and that's when uh, it's the middle of the movie. Mankind has one last shot to get to space, and it's that out of commission rocket that Gerald just mentioned. And they're, uh, you know, Helly Berry, Patrick Wilson, and uh, Casey are all launching up to space, and that huge wave is coming towards them. Just to see that coming towards a launch site, I thought was pretty cool to see. Uh, and then the helicopter trying to get away. <laughs> The kids watching from the bridge above it, I thought was stupid. It's like, hey, there's a huge giant wave coming your way. You need to get out of the way. But yeah. I, that was my, I think that was one of the best visuals in the movie for sure. Uh, there's great action in here. Uh, the, there's no denying that. But that scene definitely stood out for me. Yeah, no. And I mean, there's a lot of good action and good shots. And the reason why I do like this. More than, I mean, I still love a lot of the original, you know, the Independence Days, the Armageddon's, um, Face Off, Aliens, d- Disaster Movies, Twister, Air Force One, like just movies that end with a world trying to be destroyed by something. Um, I love this movie in that genre because the shots and everything are beautiful. This is really, I mean, we're seeing mass destruction on a large scale. We saw CGI like we were in the early 2000s, but the CGI looks much better now. Um, so like everything from like even the chase, what was it? The, um, the chase building from New York being in like Colorado, I think is what it was. But um, that scene with the water was amazing. At the same time, like you said, the kids are just sitting there. And that's one thing, one reason I don't like that scene too much is because like when I'm watching the movie, the way the kids travel to and from different places makes zero sense with the timeline they were given during the movie multiple times. Like, I don't understand how they jump from California to Aspen in like 10 minutes. Nothing. That's what I didn't get either. And they, and I, they were able to escape that big ass wave because that makes no sense. The moon was coming toward them. Like, <laughs> where was that launch site? Was the launch site in California or was it in I think Colorado? It was in I think the launch site was in Houston. Yeah, they I think got the a, launch site was in Houston. Put a title card up or something because that think was, it was confusing. Supposed to be. No, you know what? That's wrong. I think it might have been in LA. I think the launch site might have been in L.A. Because NASA's in Houston. I think the launch site was in L.A., if I remember correctly. You can't get from California to Colorado in two hours. Yeah. uh, Even with gravity assisting you. And uh, that leads me to my my other scene. It's when they are in Colorado and uh, the the son meets up with Michael Pena and his mom and stepdad and everything. And they're out running these... uh, these hillbillies that are chasing them down and they launch over this bridge that's collapsing. And it's like something out of a fast and the furious movie. And (laughs) it becomes the greatest Lexus commercial I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, That whole scene. (laughs) That Lexus Gerald, it is unstoppable. It really gets you over those mountain Hills and over the gravity hump. Beautiful. Without destroying. And you know what? Even when, um, Oh, shoot. When Michael Pena was like, I'm going to turn this baby into overdrive and turns off the eco mode. It's just, I do that sometimes in my Civic when I'm on a highway. Um, and I say the same thing. So I thought that was freaking hilarious. You thought I was going to do it again. But, um, no, I love that scene too, because it feels like, it felt like to me, Ronald Emmerich, the um, director actually turned around and gave the controls to Michael Bay for a minute. 
and just let Michael Bay direct a car chase commercial with a Lexus and the general plot of what was happening in the, in Moonfall. That's what that was. It was pretty cool. And first of all, you established that Kevin, the dad at the beginning of the movie was a Lexus, uh, car salesman. So you had all of that going for it. Congratulations, Lexus on the product placement. I really hope that you got a lot of money for this. I bet Uh, it paid for like half this movie's budget. Yeah. But that's a scene. (laughs) Yeah. This, this movie, um, was $150 million to make. It made $10 million opening weekend. So, ouch. ouch. Has some catching up to do. That was a scene I didn't like. Um, There's a lot of catching up to do. I'm a little bit upset about that, but keep going. Sorry. Oh, yeah. But uh, any scenes you didn't like, Gerald? Oh, man. Scenes I just didn't like. Um, Let's see. I mean, there's a few for sure. I'm just trying to think of which one I want to talk about. Um, The whole, like, what the, uh, my bad, Casey talking to the kids felt a little weird. Um, the fact that teacher just sat there and let this guy spew conspiracy at them and like good, like granted it later became true. Right. Like whatever he said ended up actually being right. But like, just imagine a teacher actually sitting back and letting a random guy who isn't the person who's supposed to be speaking to your kids, tell your kids about something that is considered a large conspiracy. It's a little weird. She's a pretty bad teacher to be fair, because she told (laughs) the kids that, Hey, you're going to speak to this astronaut guy today. And he is, a hack. He's just, he just sucks is pretty much what those kids were telling him. So, yeah. uh, going into it, the teacher did not have the right mindset to teach those kids. I'm not a teacher. I never will be, but yeah. that's my, uh, sure. box office teacher opinion. And I'm trying or, to I mean, figure out armchair teacher. I'm trying to figure out which one it was. I think it was, um, Jonathan Maxwell silver. It was him and um, Christopher Sandiford. They were the two, um, I guess, lab guys that died um, when the water came. The fact that they were able to get in the chopper was already unbelievable. Like, just let them live. There was no reason for them to die, I don't think. And I think they were a better character than, like, um, Halle Berry's ex-husband, who I believe was um, Doug Davidson, right? Uh, Amy Iquarquark? Yeah, uh, yeah. Halle Berry and her husband um, got divorced, and then this guy's pretty much role throughout this entire movie is like, you know what? I know what's best for my son. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then at the end, uh, he pretty much breaks national security, uh, takes away the the launch key to launch nukes into the moon. So Halle Berry. And her friends can save the planet. <laughs> That's how you ridiculous know, this plot gets. And that sounded like a horrible idea. But do you, would you really be surprised if that was like the U.S. first response? Like, hey, let's throw a nuke at it. Or it reminds response? me a lot of Sharknado when they were trying to throw bombs in the tornado at that point. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it got weird. Uh, the, frank- the other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, like, I don't have that many scenes i hate in this movie i didn't i mean i already told you and i'm not spoiled like i like this movie um it was fun for me it wasn't something i like 
I mean, it's not intellectual, you know, like I'm not sitting here watching a documentary. Like it's just a movie that you're supposed to have fun with, enjoy the ride, enjoy, enjoy the shots. And I thought the shots were great. The plot was a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, the moon falling out of the damn sky is a fucking plot stretch. So why not add the fact that it's a piece of metal floating, you know, like you're already going that extra mile, go the fucking 20 miles, like just do it. So I, yeah, I mean, that was just a little too much. I, I would have rather maybe. <laughs> so this is what I would have done differently in this movie. Instead of you take all the alien crap out, you take all the whatever. There's a structure in the middle of the moon and the moon was one of 12 structures created by aliens, which was just fucking stupid. I'm going to say that. But you take all that out. You have an asteroid hit the moon, knock it off uh, trajectory and then go from there. Then you have all the chaos happening on Earth. Then you send the astronauts up to cor- correct course somehow. I don't know how you do it. Maybe you bring a machine, you dig into the center of the moon, and then you push it back onto course. Someone sacrifices themselves, a la Armageddon, which they did, and they ripped off. Do it that way. Definitely sounds like a bad idea. I mean, either way, it's a stretch, right? I mean, it's going to be a stretch. Um, I feel like they made the monster to this movie about three weeks before they decided they had to, to give the monster a backstory. Because um, I thought it was Venom when it first attacked. I was like, are we? Because I had never seen a trailer. Like, you know, this it was between uh, this movie and Jackass. And Jackass had no showings in Seattle for some reason. So I was like, I guess I'm seeing Moonfall. I have no idea what the hell that is. I had no idea Halle, Halle Berry was in it until we got there. Um, until I got there. So. So when the monster came out, like I definitely thought it was Venom for at least five or ten minutes. And then he started doing a twister into the moon, and I was like, that's not Venom, but like it kind of looks like some kind of symbiote type deal, right? So I thought it was a symbiote for the first like half of the movie. It uh so we watched Fantastic Beasts here uh after we got home from the movies last night, and uh it looks like the obscurial in Fantastic Beast, like a smoke monster. Is exactly what it looked like to me. Uh, th- that was, if you're gonna give me an alien, I don't care. Give me a big green monster or something. <laughs> don't give me, don't give me smoke. That just reminds me of Green Lantern and uh, the Fantastic Four, the second one with the Silver Surfer, where Galactus is a cloud. Don't give me that shit. Just give me something cool to look at. I don't want to look <laughs> at floating bees or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, for sure. I get it. I get where you're going. All right. Well, I could blast this movie all day, Gerald. Um, really? But we should probably get to characters uh, yeah. before I go too far off track and try to replot the entire movie. But who do you have <laughs> as uh, number one? Uh, number one, I have John Bradley's Casey Hausman. I think this movie tries to get you to think Patrick Wilson's the main character, but John Bradley's Casey Hausman is the main character. He gets a full arc. He gets an ending. He gets to tease to a freaking sequel. Um, spoiler alert. Um, he's the main character. Yeah, he's my number one, too. Um, pretty good comedic actor. Not going to lie. Hope I see mm-hmm. him in, in some more stuff. He was in the trailer for that Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson movie. So congrats to him. He's getting work. So he is number one for me. Um, we're probably not getting a sequel to this movie, but... Uh, points for trying. 
Yeah, points for trying. Number two, I got Patrick Wilson's Brian Harper. I really did feel like he gave a pretty good emotional performance. He seemed like a guy who had been screwed, and he knew he had been screwed, but there was nothing he could do. Um, other than the fact that I think he should have had a job with like SpaceX or something, um, I thought he gave off a pretty good performance. Yeah, he'd be my number two as well. Patrick Wilson's just a he's just a solid actor. Uh, I love him in the Conjuring series, and he's probably the best part of Aquaman. So, yeah, he's number two. Can't really go wrong with him as as the lead of your movie. Yeah, uh, number three, I'll go with Halle Berry. I just I think that's by default. I didn't exactly love her performance, but what she I also think the writers kind of left her to be that side main character like she's always there but she's not going to be the person making a whole bunch of decisions um she's kind of just that extra that third wheel if you may um i liked her but yeah i just feel like the writers didn't let her do what she could have done best i think yeah she she was fine um i think i'm gonna put the son at number three actually Mm -hmm. i i just liked him a little bit more and he had a little bit more to do than heli berry uh, I, I'm going to put her at number four and then number five, I'm going to round it out with Michael Pena uh, mm-hmm. just because I've, I always like him. He's just one of my favorite actors. Uh, if you haven't seen Ant-Man, he's great in that and he's hilarious. Um, so he'll be number five. Yeah. I'm going to do Charlie Plummer at four, the Sonny Harper. Um, I did, like you said, I liked him. I felt like he had growth. I felt like he had a little arc there and um, his pulling a gun on the guy over the oxygen thing was great. The chase was good. Shoot the damn gun thing was good. Um, and then five again, Michael Pena. Um, I didn't really like him until that la- those last few scenes of him in it, if I'm being honest. I just felt like he was shoehorned in, like he didn't need to be there. But um, him sacrificing himself, despite the auction coming back like two minutes later, and also um, that car scene was pretty great. So I think that was redeemable for him. Yeah. As far as characters, not necessarily I didn't like, but didn't really have much to do. Uh, Carolina Bartzak as uh, mm-hmm. Brenda, the uh, first wife. She, I mean, she wasn't really that memorable in this movie. And then the two younger sisters didn't really um, have much of an impact until the very end. Uh, that scene with Michael Pena when he dies. So those would be characters that kind of got lost in the shuffle for me. Yeah, and I'm trying to find her name, but the exchange student. She was pretty good. I just, again, I wasn't sure. Like when she came in, I honestly thought she was like the wife's, the ex-wife's partner. Or how was it Halle Berry? I thought she was Halle Berry's partner for a second. I, I Just because like thing. she came out on a robe offering coffee, knew her routine, knew everything. And like it came across as like they were partners or they were together. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then like two minutes later, they mentioned like, or I think it was later in the movie, the first time they bring up exchange student stuff. It was a little, I was like, okay, that's weird. But like, I, I wish she could have had more to do because when she was more into scenes, like I felt like she was pretty funny and um, had some good chemistry with the kids, the other two kids. Yeah, she was pretty good. Um, yeah, I liked her and uh, was it Charlie Plummer together? I thought uh, yeah. they made a pretty good team. So yeah, that's as far as mine, my list goes. Um, anybody else you want to add? No, not at all. <laughs> so um, I'm choking on my own spit over here because I am old now. Uh, but let's get into our final score, Gerald. I am going to bench this movie. 
Okay. I, I wish I would have seen Jackass. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought this movie would have been better. I really did. Um, it disappointed me. I thought the tease to the sequel was just really stupid. Uh, and that really put an even worse taste in my mouth that they oh, even man. tried to attempt that. Um, I would watch this movie. I would say I would recommend to watch this movie. If you're going to watch it on like TNT or something, I would not pay money to go see it again. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And um, I'm not going to start it because I think starting is speaking really highly of a movie. And I don't think this is like a, you need to see a movie. Um, I also don't think it's a bench movie. I don't think it's a bench warmer. I think it's a, a decent movie to, like you said, turn on TV. Um, if you can get matinee tickets that are like five bucks, or if you have a discount or you have a gift card and there's not a lot else in the theater, like why the hell not? You know, um, if it turns up on HBO max, Netflix, anything like that, like for sure, take a few hours out of your life and watch it one day. Um, but like there were two other people in the theater with me during this movie. Um, support movies and go see it if that's your thing like if you want if you're trying to support movies and try to support the industry i think you should go see this in theaters um if you're looking for a really good movie and mind-blowing and that's the only way you're going to spend 20 bucks to go see a movie you can wait on this one until it comes on tv yeah uh my experience with this movie so here's what happened with me i bought tickets in the wrong state randomly because i the zip code got changed uh and then i bought tickets where i live and I bought, uh, I bought them to the wrong theater. Uh, one, I so I had to go all the way to the other side of town, um, which was fine because they served beer and like food there. So I had French toast sticks while I ate this movie. So that made me pretty happy. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. This is not my favorite movie of the year. It's, I've done that. <laughs> it's. <laughs> uh. Oh, this movie's frustrating. I thought I thought I bought tickets to go see um, a movie here once. I show actually, you know what? It was like Christmas week when my parents were in town. They wanted to see Spider Man, and my my Regal account still thinks I'm in Texas sometimes. And I bought tickets, and I went to go scan it. It's not our theater. I look at it, and it says San Antonio. I was like, "Damn, sixty yeah. bucks!" <laughs> I've been to Dallas one time in my life, and I think because. Uh, Eric lives there and we were talking about Dallas in the group chat. I think subconsciously it, I um, entered Dallas into the location. I think that's what happened. But anyway, I mean, that's go see it if you want to. That's my recommendation. <laughs> it's but it's better with alcohol. Hopefully whatever movie we review next is going to be a fun one. Uh, we don't know what it is yet because this is Super Bowl week. And it's Gerald versus Ryan. Whoever wins, the Bengals win, Gerald picks a movie. The Rams win, Ryan picks the movie. I am rooting for Gerald because I do not want to watch Titanic or Cold Mountain. So go Bengals. Yes, they're going to win. <laughs> Joey Burrow has ice in his veins. He's so great. I'm so excited for that game. Me too. Uh, obviously, we're going to recap that. Uh, when we talk to you next, uh, sometime next week, if you're listening to this episode, like a year after the Super Bowl happened, skip forward to our next episodes. Uh, thank you so much though, for joining us once again on box office QBs. And until next time, uh, we are good friends, real talk. And Gerald has one more thing he wants to add. I actually have a surprise Netflix watch for everybody. And it's for our nerd shit podcast listeners in particular. Um, 
are you tired of watching the same DCEU Extended Universe show over and over again because you've watched every other superhero show, Jeff? Well, yes. I found a show that has some cheesy storylines just like the DCU, where like CW, but it's not even in Marvel or DC. It's called Raising Dion. It's about a kid with superpowers. It's kind of funny. It has some cheesy crap in it because it's a whole bunch of kids with power. Well, kid with powers. But like they also mention Thanos and they mention DC characters and it's kind of funny. So like you get bored, you want to just turn something on, don't have to get real into it. It's on Netflix. It's decent. There you go. There's your recommendation of the day. Uh, And we will see you next week for real this time. See you later. (laughs)